Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome back for what I know this is going to be an extraordinary conversation. My guest today is Alok Upadurai. And in the short amount of time I have spoken to him just in our last call, I had goosebumps. I mean, this man is the real deal. There's something really profound in his sharings and the way he shares stories and truly, truly extraordinary. So tune in because I know we're in for such a treat today. Alok, what a joy to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Philip, the honor is absolutely mine, my brother. Since our last conversation, I've been so lit looking forward to this this time that you and I get to spend together. Totally. And you know what? I actually saw on your website, it says, I have realized I live for goosebumps. I treasure that feeling when my body erupts from inside, responding to the resilience of the human spirit. Whoa. One of the, <laughs> well, one of the things that really touched me to the core was in 2016, the story you shared with your son, Sequoia. Would you be willing to to start with that as a way to open up our conversation today? Sure, with joy. You know, I'd spent about 20 years building impact-driven companies, putting everything that I had on the line to make a better world and, you know, create a contribution that was bigger than myself. And all of a sudden, I found myself without anything. Uh, the wheels had fallen off, and I was living in a one-room studio, had no car, no internet connection. All I had was my cell phone, and it was one of those moments where you scratch your head and you go, how did this happen? You know, you live with the right heart, you put everything on the line to do something good in the world, and all of a sudden, uh, the word broke was in my environment, mm. and I literally had maxed out every credit card. My credit score was in the tubes. I had had to borrow money from friends just to get by. Uh, couldn't put food on the table, uh, barely put food on the table for my son. And, you know, it was just one of those moments where, it, you know, they 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 jokingly say uh, coming to Jesus, right? A kind of that, that moment where you get down on your knees and you just, you look up to the sky or you look inside yourself or you tune in with source or whatever, whatever that is for you. And you say, you know, what, what am I missing? My son and I, we shared a, we had one bed, we had one coffee table and we had one two seater, uh, love seat, you know, couch sofa. And we had one bookshelf and that was it. I mean, literally, literally that was it. And how and, old was your uh, son at the time? He was about, uh, four at the time. Wow. And uh, I put him to sleep at night in our, our one bed. You know, he he was however small he was at age four and my arms would be wrapped around him, just soothing him to sleep. And I remember laying there, Philip, and oh, it can almost make me cry right now. Um, I remember just looking down at him, mm. knowing that 
you know, it's his, it's not his responsibility to put food on the table, to put clothes on his back, to keep a roof over his head, to provide medical attention and all those things. It's not his responsibility. It's his daddy's responsibility. And I, I would cry, you know, as he was sound asleep and I would just see him calm, you know, like an angel mm. laying there, you know, he had no understanding of the realities that were going on in the home that he was living in. And uh, I remember I looked down at him and there was a turning point moment where I said to him, I, it, through my own silent breathings, you know, I said, um, Sequoia, I said, your father got us into this jam and your father's going to create our way out of this jam. And uh, it just, it was, it was that line in the sand moment um, where I think up until that point, I had been functioning as more a maverick entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, you know, before you have a child, you know, you can sort of uh, run and gun. You can just put your ideas out there. And if you fall on your face, you know, well, you could sleep on a friend's couch and eat ramen noodles, right? And then, you know, lick your wounds, dust yourself off, get back out into the trenches and go at it again. But once I became a dad, it was like, oh, there isn't just go sleep on a friend's couch. It's like, no, you have a child. Like it was, it was a new era for me of responsibility. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, that was, that was a super, (laughs) super challenging time of my life. Yeah. You really came through that and you came through that. So, um, so gracefully and powerfully. I want to also just slow down here because there's something in the way you shared that story. I just want to draw something out that that I really want to honor is like, there was a point, you said there was like a turning point where you decided to take responsibility for your life, for your situation, and just show Woo. up for yourself. <laughs> you know, that was, well, because, that was like, this is it. Yeah, I'm, let's, I'm, let's, Let's dive in right there. Yeah. You know, the when it when it all went down, I had a very natural human response that many, many of we humans are conditioned into. And it went like this. Well, that person screwed me. You know, that person did this. Oh, that person did that. Right. And I spent months, you know, marinating in in the victimhood of what those people did to me. Yes. 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 Let's, let's get it. I mean, that's the real, right. That's so powerful. That's and, and isn't it at the same time, everyone is going to be like, yeah, that's right. And they will join you in blaming others, which just creates more rhetoric, more story, more suffering. Oh my God. Um, I had Philip, I had friends who were like, because uh, there, there, there were some participants that were involved in that time period. And, and on paper, if I simply say kind of my version of what happened, you're right. I mean, like the pitchforks are out, oh, uh, yeah. you know, right? It's like they're, they are ready. I can't believe this happened to you. They, they did that. Do we need to fly to Tucson and take care of that person? You know, I mean, crazy stuff, right? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Oh, this is really touching 
something deep inside me as well that I, I just want to share this as well because yeah. I feel it's so it's so relevant. I have my version of that story in 2000, I must have been around 2014. Yeah. I had just gone, I was just going through a divorce three months after being married. Oh. Discovering Woo. that my wife betrayed me and she tells me she made a mistake to marry me three months after we got married. Whoa. Now, Whoa. in my in my attempt to cope right with this emotional breakdown, I was just in pain. I was in so right. much pain. I was in shame and humiliation. I went to this seminar. I was the first to volunteer, put myself in front of the room. And this guy looks at me, the seminar leader, and he says, how much responsibility are you willing to take for this divorce? And I just wanted to say, screw you. Like right. I was pissed. I was offended right. by the question. Oh, I was wait. like, and I said, I am not to blame. She's the one that cheated she on me. It. That's right. And boy, was I banging on that self-righteousness. And that's um, right. And he was so graceful, um, Alec. He just looked at me and he said, you know, oh, I didn't ask you who, if you want to blame yourself, I just asked you if you want to take, how much responsibility do you want to take? Woo! And he really slowed it down. He says, you know, responsibility is your ability to respond to the situation. Wow. And I really heard something there. And it was Woo. like, Woo. yes, I want to take a hundred percent, a hundred percent response. And, and without even thinking about it, I just said a hundred percent and something woke up in me. And I said, I'm no longer going to live my life being a victim and blaming others. And you know what? It's, it's really, when I hear your story, it's just like, we all have a version of that story inside That's of right. us. And, uh, and, and it just touched, whew, just touched that part of me. And, and just so thank you for sharing that. That's, that's profound. Oh, it, you know, it, it literally, I mean, you're, you, you nailed it because, uh, the, if, if, when people ask me, you know, they can see, okay, I'm running a big company now and have a big team and all these really wonderful outcomes and lots of accolades and all this stuff. Right. But if they ask me, like what was the like literally the root moment of the turning point because here's the deal you know be feeling like a victim sadly it feels good right so people can very easily succumb to wanting to blame other people and then riling up all the people around us to think the same thing but yeah. for me the the literal i can pinpoint it and i wish i could even say the date i don't remember the date but I, I remember how I felt. I was laying in that one bed that we had, and there was a moment where I was praying, talking to Source, and that moment came with the similar mm. uh, leader, seminar yeah, leader. That, yeah, you know, yeah. In this case, it was just Source, God, Universe, or whatever. And it was like, well, did you create this alok? Oh. <laughs> Whoa. That question rocked my whole world, Philip, because all of a sudden I had to look at the whole circumstance differently. And then the follow-up question was, how did you create all of this? Yeah. And then I started realizing, well, I signed that business partner in. Oh, well, I made those decisions a couple of years ago that created some challenges. And oh, well, actually. And then 
literally I laid there in my bed and I was like, oh, Alok, you created this entire situation. You created it. You made decisions that led to this circumstance. And in that moment, it both was challenging because yeah. it meant releasing the victim narrative. Confronting. Right? Which, yeah. Confronting it and, and realizing how, how hard I was gripping onto it, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally gripping onto that victim narrative because it felt good in some way, shape, or form. Because we'll hold on to anything we want to hold on to if it feels good until we can hold on to something that feels better. And so in my case, the moment I was like, well, wait a second. If I created this entire circumstance, wow, look how powerful I am. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that means I can create my way out. And then the big turning point, the big, 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 huge and this is, I'm not Christian, but I, I call it the coming to G's moment, you know, Yeah. Um, is I literally asked the universe. I said, I've put in 70 hour weeks. I've put my entire life savings on the line many times over. I've walked away from careers that probably would have put me on track to be a billionaire by the time I was 30. So what am I missing? I literally said, God, source, what memo am I missing? And it came to me. It literally, the answer was crystal clear. It said, Alok, you don't ask for help. Hmm. Mic drop. Yeah. Success. And then the next sentence that was whispered, successful people ask for help. Right. What was the old belief I had? Successful people figure it out on their own. They're smarter than us. <laughs> They're smarter they, they, they somehow yeah, yeah. figure it out on their own. And therefore, if I'm not figuring it out on my own, mm. I must be a failure. Oof. Oh. So now, now, Philip, I'm the guy who wherever I go, I mean, it's like I, I, if I could build or grow a third arm that was just constantly raised, asking, you know, being yeah. willing to receive, yeah. I'd have a third arm right there. I'm the guy who's like, tell me more. What you got? I'm listening. So yeah, this is this is this is the turn. You know, when when we can fight, when we can create our turning point. And what you did there, amazing. Hundred percent. I'll take a hundred percent responsibility. Whew. And by the way, I'm loving this idea of responsibility. Thank you for that. I'm I'm going to be chewing on that for sure. Yeah, that really did something for me because it, it it separates the whole the, the whole distinction responsibility just looked different to me from that moment, and it's like you know it's like the thing that you don't want you, the victim story gives you comfort, and this is what you said until you find something else, and for me that something else was hundred percent ability to respond to a situation as a way of being Bam. and i got to see that in over and over again repeating itself and i tell you it's living a life where you take a hundred percent responsibility it is not for the faint-hearted oh man it is not we live in a culture of blame shame oh yeah judgment criticism i mean everything is about what other folk are doing rather than just going what am i creating 
What am I creating? And this is this is what I love about who you are, what you're up to, what you're creating, Alok, the alignment that you have. It is rare for me to speak to a man who lives in this level of alignment, authenticity, and integrity. And in the short time we spoke, I knew this is who I was speaking to. And I honor that in you. And I really, it gives me so much hope and power for what's possible in the world and the future we have and we can create. You know, I I truly believe there's a new breed of man emerging right now, awakening. About three or four years ago, I made a declaration to myself that I desired more men around me yeah. who, who are, are asking these questions, right? Just like, really, what does it actually mean to be a man? And, you know, many of us were not handed a, a, a great playbook. Uh, many of us were not modeled no. what this new expression of what it can mean to be a man in the world. And so after I made that declaration about three, four years ago, Philip, it has been extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. I look at the men that have come out of the woodwork yeah. in my life and I'm like, oh my God, we just had an event a couple of weeks ago. And I looked at the men in that room and I was like, these men get it. Yeah. And, and what I want to say to everybody out there is that, and I want to thank you for the acknowledgement that you gave me, and as part of that authenticity, what I want to say to everybody is that this is what's called a work in progress. You know, I, I haven't perfected all of these things. You know, my partner, Caitlin, she would say, Alok is definitely a work in progress, but at least I'm a work <laughs> in progress. You know, at least I'm I'm asking some new questions and challenge yeah. some yeah. old ways of being that we are domesticated into by culture, society, family, religion, all these things. So it may still be a work in progress, Philip, but at least it's a work in progress, man. Yeah, well, it's going to be for everyone, for everywhere, <laughs> where we're, we're constantly this work in progress. But, you know, what I would love to know more about, just just about, this idea of you creating something that's making a difference for profit and planet. Yeah. Cause those are, those are two things that I think speak to a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people here re listening to this or thinking about what contribution, what difference do they want to make? And I think most people would love to create a business that's really helping the planet and making a profit. How can, yeah. yeah like what, what, what's the, what's the, what message do you want to, 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 to share just for, and, and yeah, what, what feels relevant for you to share around that? Uh, I believe that entrepreneurs are the most powerful force for good in the entire world, period, full hmm. stop. Entrepreneurs create jobs livelihood. They, they solve problems. They're creative. They increase economic prosperity in communities. I mean, the entrepreneurs are just, they're, they're, they can be lightning rods of, of epic positive change in the world. 
And, you know, I was driving home from driving, dropping my son Sequoia off this morning and I, timely for our conversation, I happened to hear an Abraham Hicks quote that said something like, I'll probably bastardize this a little bit, but so my apologies, uh, but it was something like you can never, you can never be poor enough to alleviate poverty. It's your thriving mm. that can alleviate others suffering likewise you can never be sick enough to alleviate the sickness of someone who is unwell right and so particularly for those of us that i call hsls which is highly sensitive leaders right these are the ones who are beginning to go we're awakening we know we have a deeper consciousness we know that we're part of a collective humanity and we'd like to contribute to that and we'd like to align that purpose that we came to earth with, with our livelihood, rather than believing that there has to be a split, right? That's the old domestication, that you kind of got to have a job over here, do a nine to five, work it for 50 years, save up a bunch of money, and then tithe 10% over to a nonprofit or to a church, right? That's the kind of old paradigm. Yeah. And what we're really seeing is the emergence of a new class of leaders, and I call them wealth circulators, right? Who are really stepping into their super being and going, wait a second, can I merge these two pursuits? Can I merge my purpose work and my passion work with my profit work so that I can provide for my household, my community, and beyond, right? I call that the four circles of contribution. So it's to me, there's the broke martyr entrepreneur right yeah, yeah who's like i need to suffer alongside everybody else for like a badge of honor and to me the broke martyr entrepreneur and this may sound kind of harsh but will end up being a lot of talk about what they would want to do mm -hmm. the abundant entrepreneur who's able to create flows of money energy to and through them We'll be able to hire more people, touch more lives, create more creations, whatever the creations are. Money energy to me is like, it, there's not like, oh, I care about money and I care about impact. It's like, what do you mean? Those two things are Belong connected. Together. Yeah, yeah. There, there isn't like, for me, money energy is the lifeblood of impact creation, right? You can talk, oh, I want to create this big event for 10,000 people. Great. You have any cash flow for that? Oh no, I don't. Okay. Well, great. Why don't you become someone who could mobilize the cash flow so that that creation can come into the world? You know, underneath every I want everyone to hear this. Underneath every single thriving community, company, or country is at least one wealth circulator at least one, every company, every community, every country needs at least one being, one being who's armed with the superpowers of being able to move flows of money energy through an idea. Without that, it's just an idea. And that's wonderful. We need ideas, but it's the dream. I call them dreamer doers, mm, right? right? They don't just dream a big dream. They become the version of themselves yeah. who will fund the big dream, who will create right. the right. big dream. 
So, I, you know, for me, it's it's it, when we can remove the charge and the stigma and the stories about money and simply go, huh, I'm a visionary leader. I desire to create a thriving company that has a culture that values humanity, that treats workers and, uh, you know, not as disposable, that doesn't view the environment as disposable, that doesn't view black people as disposable or brown people or women or anybody as disposable. We change a culture of how business is done and we create a different future through commerce and compassion. It's, it's, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's like, right. let your heart talk and then be someone who decides what the future of your company is going to create and take bold, decisive action and, and fuel it with, with otherworldly levels of courage, my brother. <laughs> wow. I'll say one more thing. The, the, the difference between you know, I'll say the broke martyr entrepreneur, uh -huh. right? Who has yeah. a big heart, who wants to make a difference, who's probably an empath, who's probably an HSP and highly sensitive person, or they've, they've got a big heart. They know that things aren't, aren't the way that they want them. Um, but the difference between that broke martyr entrepreneur and the abundant entrepreneur is the abundant entrepreneur does not say things like, I hope that this will be the mm -hmm. outcome. I, I wish this would be different. One day it would be wonderful if the abundant entrepreneur decides. They decide. They decide this is the creation. They decide what's non-negotiable. And then they become the version of themselves who will execute the thing into its reality. Period. Full stop. Thank you for laying that out so simply. It has been, yeah, my experience has, I've had a lot of resistance in speaking myself into the world in that language because of the, all the stigma that the, that, that the culture I was brought up in has around speaking like that. Oh, you're arrogant. Oh, who do you think you are? Right. You need to work on your humility, right? Um, so, so these are the kind of things that come up when we start to really step into our creative power. And I'm so glad you say that because just in a in a in, in just a few weeks ago, I was speaking to um, Sarah Adnani, who's also um, yeah part of our community, and Sarah and I was sharing something, and I noticed how. I was like, yeah, I'm, I was speaking about a possibility using the word hope and she immediately stopped me and she was like, yeah, don't say that. <laughs> and um, from that moment, whenever I speak about it, I actually say, I'm creating this as if it's happening already. I am creating this as if this is a done deal. That's right. It has changed the way I'm showing up in creating what I'm up to, but also I have also seen that, man, I can't speak like that with everyone. Ah. So it's also shown me ah. the power of actually <laughs> having the sensitivity and the discernment 
who's going to support and champion me and what I'm up to? And I think that's what you're creating that's so powerful is having a container of people that really profoundly support each other, speak this language, and are championing each other. The other day, when we ran our live event, a a man that I had been in a men's retreat with, who I invited, who came, he he didn't say anything. He didn't come to the mic for the first two days. And on the third day, he came to the mic. And I very much leaned in. I wanted, I really wanted to hear what his experience was or some version of it. And he said a sentence that I, I, I will never forget. He said, he said to the whole room, he said, I, he acknowledged the whole room. He said, I have to thank you all. I've been here for three days with all of you thoroughbreds. And he said, I realized that I've spent my entire life around ponies. And so what, and there's nothing wrong with ponies, but if you're not a pony, you want to run with thoroughbreds, right? Yeah. And ponies aren't going to look up to thoroughbreds. <laughs> they, they're going to be or, intimidated. They're going to judge. I have people who yes. judge me for it. And so oh, yeah. now I've created a community and a container that's just filled with thoroughbreds. And so they don't have to be self-conscious about yeah. how they're functioning. If anything, and then I, I saw a Quentin Tarantino reel the other day. It was brilliant. He said, if you are if you want to run the hundred yard dash only with people that are slower than you, you will win every time and it will feel good. But if you run the hundred yard dash with runners who are dramatically faster than you, you are likely to come in last. But your time will definitely be faster than what it would have been if you'd only been running in the other race. So it's not about uh, glorifying Mm -hmm. speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about encouraging everybody listening to this to be around the people that roll the way that you roll. Can, totally. can, can I add one other thing? And I want to dive in to the conversation around people saying to you or to anyone else, who do you think you are? Right. And, yeah. and you should be functioning with more humility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, I got onto something that I called um, my war against humbleness. And mm-hmm. this really irked a lot of people, including my partner, Caitlin. But I want to read the definition that comes up if I Google search the word word humble. Having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. So it actually, to be humble means to say I'm less than. Yeah. And I don't advocate that for anybody. Yeah. I don't believe anybody's more than or less than. I believe we're all divine expressions of God equally endowed with the miracle of life. I am that, and so are you. So why am I going to create an energy inside myself that is inherently domesticating me into a perpetual existence of being unworthy, being less than? Now, we can, in, in a universal sense, we can say we are a speck of dust, right? So I may yeah. not have import in a kind of cosmic a bigger sense. And that's where Caitlin comes from 
in, in regards to the humbleness, right? But in my view, I also believe that source, universe, God, infinite wisdom also created us as unique, beautiful, creative expressions of the divine that have an important mission and vision that you and you alone were uniquely endowed with, coded with in your DNA. So I don't, I, 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 I believe that you uh, arrogant, right? People confuse mm-hmm. confidence with arrogance all the time. They prefer. This is, yeah. This is, this is music, music to my ears. I, you know, I did a, a, a CTI, I was on the CTI leadership program and we were sat in a room this was one of those challenging things. They had to, um, so they, they had all these attributes of people, and you would get a vote. And um, they were the top like five attributes that they see in someone. And when it was my turn, I had twenty five people in that room. They would put their put their hand up when they would see that character in me. The number one thing that came out for me was arrogance, and I struggled with that. Like I was like, I, I, and it was supposed to be my biggest strength. And for three days, I didn't know what to do with it because for me, that word, there was nothing positive about it. It, I was, it was just loaded. And, and I had a friend who somehow came up to me and he, he said, Hey, you know, um, I studied Greek and the word arrogance comes from the word arrogare, which means having the courage to say and do what others don't. Woo! And I was like, damn, I can own that. Own that. I can have the courage to say and do and go places where others are not willing to. And actually, I really embraced that. Yeah. And so I'm, it was about embracing my arrogance as a strength. Ah. And today, I can own that. So beautiful. What you said was just speaking to my soul because it was so hard for me, Alok. It was so hard for me to really accept that. And there was um, like so much conditioning around. Yeah, that humility and arrogance was really something that um, so profound when you when I broke through it. Yeah. Absolutely life changing. I'm thrilled. Yeah. You know, because let, let's create a distinction in the listener's mind right now. You know, imagine there's 8 billion humans on the planet. Imagine that all 8 billion of them go, you're right. Who am I to even think I could contribute to a better world? I mean, let's just imagine that all 8 billion believe it's not my place to create a better world i mean doomed that's doomed i mean that's dismal i mean that's not yeah i mean that's that that's that would be like nobody's light is shining right everybody's going it's not me now imagine another world where everybody goes i'm equally endowed with the capacity to create a better future for myself my family and future generations that's a world i want to live in yes I mean, come yes. on, what is wrong with that world where everybody, you know, one of the gifts uh, from my, my partner, Caitlin, so, showed me a photo from uh, our, our event the other weekend. 
And she said, she said, this is my favorite photo of you all time. And I'm not going to get into the specifics. I don't really reveal the ends of what goes on there. But let's just suffice it to say it had to do with the light shining on people. And I said to her, I said, my name means light. But I said, my mission and what my what my superpower is beyond sales or marketing or leadership or any of the kind of things that people might knock on my door for. I said, my superpower is that I I relentlessly see the light inside of other people. And I, I shine the light on their light, even when they don't quite yet see it, right? When we step into that, and I don't have any desire to be anybody's guru. See, when you release from needing to be better than, above, more ascended, what is all that? Mm-hmm. Now, to me, it's just simply, we're all learning, we're all evolving, we're all asking powerful questions. And why don't we be the the flame that lights up everybody's flames, realizing we can all contribute to a better world forward. What if we all believe that? Stop becoming jaded and cynical, right? Oh, well, what's it? Is it really going to make a difference? Yes, because if none of us do it, we are in a dismal, dismal version of humanity, one that I do not participate in. So powerful. For those that are listening and, and just want to get on board, know more about you, what you're creating, what what you're up to, or even if they just heard something, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. You, anybody out there, you can find me on the socials at Alokapotheri. You can go to upliftmillions.com and send me a message, however you want to do so. I'm open and receiving. I respond to basically every message that I receive. Uh, and if I miss it. Just give me a little nudge and remind me, hey, I was knocking on your door there. Wonderful. Well, it's been a it's been really a, a delight. I love the, the the topics that we covered today. And and just before we close, I I just want to um, share something. I, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about this HSP and yeah. what have you, yeah, what have you discovered for yourself around being an empath, being someone who's highly sensitive? Woo. Oh, man. First and foremost, it's like the process to even figure out that that's like who you be. And that was a journey for me mm-hmm. just to actually kind of go, wait a second, there's there's all these things that for some reason might be a little harder for me than maybe for someone else, right? It's, you know, I soak in people's energies. I feel people. I'm also a seer, so I see things, and the, the, these realities can be really intense. Mm-hmm. They they can be energy drains, and so a it's it's just the first step was acknowledging the sensitivity of my heart, mm-hmm. acknowledging what I feel, acknowledging that I'm a highly feeling being, particularly as men. Many men are not encouraged to celebrate what my uh, friend, colleague, and client, Danny Diaz, calls big feelings, big emotions. And he's this huge ultra-athlete, right? Major ultra-athlete. And his emotions, his feelings are the size of the world. He and I tear up, you know, in the middle of conversations all the time, all the time. And so the first point would just be to acknowledge that you have a deep, big, huge, beautiful heart. The second thing from there is to also be able to set up boundaries, right? So you 
you know how to be able to just oop, not taking that on or oop, that's I'm not available for that. So, you know, and, and then the, the third piece is to not run our businesses as a charity, because when we are an HSP, we want to help everybody. And that would be that the, mm. that that middle zone charity to business is is deadly. It's the pathway to failure for so many HSP and empathic entrepreneurs. So the final thing I'll say around it is for any of you listening who fall in this category, you may read up, you know, Empath Survival Guide. There's a lot of texts that you can read up if you if this is you um, to begin to train and refine. I'm reading Sensitive is the New Strong. Brilliant, brilliant book. So the message I'd love to give to any of the HS, I call you HSLs, highly sensitive leaders, is don't view it as some sort of weakness or kink in the in the armor that you have to work around or that somehow, because for many of us as empaths or HSPs, we become targets because there are people who will feed off mm -hmm. us. Right. They'll feed off us like, like, you know, a steak dinner. Right. So the thing that I would help you, uh, I would encourage anybody listening is to understand that it's your superpower. When you can get that being an HSP or an HSL mm. or an empath, it actually can be your absolute superpower. So once I learned how to move it from being a thing that makes me, uh, it creates a double-edged, uh, two sides of the vulnerability coin. A, an a boundaryless empathic leader or HSP, you know, it's, they're, 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 they're setting themselves up for a very, very difficult road. The HSP that that has boundaries can now start harnessing that as a superpower. So. so, so simple. One of the things we spoke about in our last call as well, and it's just so something I had for so long underestimated is the power of boundaries. It's something I've learned from my wife, who is relentless in her boundaries, absolutely relentless. Someone I identify with the HSP that like as a, not something that's fixed, but I, I recognize I have those tendencies and characteristics inside of me. And one of the things I've often just said, you know, yes to and needing approval has been a huge one for me. And it's not even the it's so so subtle in what i've just even today i was it's 34 degrees today here in zurich and i i went for a swim in the lake and it was a record temperature of 27. it's unusual for the lake to be this warm but i went in there and i actually enjoyed the temperature and i realized that when the temperature is 23 degrees i don't enjoy it but i go in there not because I want to go in there. I want to go in there because I want inside of me, there's a part of me that just wants to be lovable. And I remember every time I'd go in that water and it was a little cold and I would get approval from my parents. 
and it would be like, wow, you're a strong kid. Wow. Yeah. And I noticed how, hey, actually, it's an act of love towards myself to just dip my feet if I just want to dip my feet and enjoy just the cool water on my feet. It's an act of love to throw myself in the water if I want to have that experience. And it just kind of just blew my mind that I had all my life had been going in the water so I could be lovable. Because actually, all I wanted was to be lovable. And it's 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 such a small thing, like just going in the water, but it opened my mind to, Huge. holy shit, how am I, where else am I doing this? And I started to really starting to just set boundaries with myself. I don't need to do this. And I had always thought of boundaries around other but it's actually no i i am lovable period and i don't need to prove to myself that i'm lovable i don't need to read this book or do whatever it is and and the freedom of just oh i am lovable period period full stop yeah you know as a recovering people pleaser over here right so you know, uh-huh. hsp yeah you kept you some trauma from your childhood saw way too much alcoholism and violence you know you combine all this stuff you get people please totally right never wanting anybody to be disappointed in me never yeah. wanting to upset do my best to make everything okay for everybody all the time only always right and i i can share with the audience one of the most freeing boundaries or or distinctions that i made in my mind and this one has to do particularly because the 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 people pleaser spews into your relationships it spews into how you run your companies it spews into how the the policies that you have with your clients it spews into how you manage your team and somebody not being uh doing their job right it's all these it shows up everywhere right and so one of them with clients that i'll i'll share with your audience that has been game changing for me and and i will say scary like I, I, when, when I made this leap, Philip, I was like, man, like what's gonna, what, what might go down if I do this? And I'll share with the audience now what that was is could I make the shift to no longer worry if my clients like me? Mm. Okay. So that was the first half. Who would I be if I no longer cared if my clients like me the second half of the distinction is who would i be if i didn't care if my clients liked me and i committed to loving them no matter what oh Mm. my god i was so terrified i was like when am i going to get an opportunity to practice this what does that look like will i actually you know actually do this or when confronted with the moment Will I regress the old version of myself? And I had a situation last year at a uh, client retreat where a client walked up to me and said, I knew they had some issue going on. Now, old Alok would have started worrying, would have started creating all these stories. Why are they disappointed? Why are they upset right now? Uh Uh-oh, am I bad? Am I wrong? Am I unlovable, right? I mean, that's the full package deal, my brother, right? And, And so- the following morning, I saw her and 
uh, I said to her very calmly, and I was very proud of myself. Uh, and this is you guys seeing behind the scenes. This is literally the real of the real. So we're standing in a driveway. There's snow everywhere. It was cold. We were in Telluride, Colorado. And she says to me, I said, is there anything that you need to say to me? And she looks at me and she says, yeah. Every time I see you in person or on Zoom in our group calls, I want to puke. My stomach churns when I'm around you. And I was like, oh, okay. Now, right here, I want everyone to hear this. This is the moment, you know, this distinction that I had kind of considered and was evolving myself into. There it was. If you ever wonder, will the universe give you a little litmus test? And so in that moment, old Alok would have started like, you know, like in the cartoons where the, the characters start, feet starts running really fast and try to fix something, get a solution. Old Alok would have been clawing for her to feel better, for her, for anything to alleviate the discomfort that was going on in that moment. New Alok was able to just stand calmly with her, thank her for sharing what she had shared, ask her, is there anything more that she would like to hear, that she would like to share. I validated that I could imagine it doesn't feel good to feel that way, right? And so I didn't need to defend. I didn't act, I wasn't worried about whether she actually would leave this conversation liking me. I, I really wasn't, I was not attached to that, but I was committed to loving her. Yes. And so I looked at her and I said, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I can imagine it doesn't feel good to have to think these thoughts. I said, is it okay if I share my truths about you? And she said, sure. And I said, I actually don't have any of the thoughts that you think I have. It's the, none of that is in there. I actually love you deeply and I want to see the best for you. And I see an incredible future for you. And that's all I see when I think about your name. And she was like, okay. We've gone on to develop an incredible relationship, but it was me honoring the boundary of no longer being a people pleaser. And to do that, I had to stop worrying about whether people liked me, which was not easy as a recovering mm. people pleaser. Not easy as a recovering people pleaser. So again, work in progress. As I said at the beginning of our time together, I not, may not be perfect at it, but I've now tasted it and I'm like, oh, got it. That's what that's like. Fully understood. Beautiful example. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you to, for Thank being you. that. And I'm proud of the way that you completely diffused any defensiveness. There was nothing to defend, nothing to protect. There was just loving curiosity that you brought and the freedom to be that way. That's right. With the people we love most, with our clients, whatever life throws at us. Right. Again, work in progress. Sure. So I just want everyone sure. to be gentle with sure. all of you. Be gentle, you know, as you gain a, an awareness or a distinction. Mm -hmm. It can actually be almost more painful when we replicate the old behavior, when we've tasted the distinction. So I really invite everybody, be very gentle as you're implementing these, these new distinctions into your life. And so, you know, if you notice a moment where 
you weren't the epitome Mm -hmm. of the new thing that you're trying to be. Don't waste any time beating yourself up for not being the epitome of the thing. Just start again. What a beautiful place to complete this conversation. Just perfect. Just perfect. I loved every moment with you, Alok. Uh, I love your energy, The this this enthusiasm you have. Often you can't see this, but when I speak, you're like f- f- fist pumping in, <laughs> in, in the air. It's, it's, uh, it's just been, there's, there's this contagiousness to your enthusiasm. I love the way you speak, the way you share, the way you come, you've, yeah. you've just poured your heart out, um, in this yeah. episode with us. What a joy. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and generously with, with all of us today. It's been a real delight. Uh, It's been my joy. You know, my parting thought will be this for any of you who have ever felt like your energy is either too much or not enough. Here's, here's a part of my sacred covenant. I share it with all of you today. I am the energy that changes the world and anybody can be that. And then your energy is not too much nor too little. It is simply the energy that changes the world. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be used.